Right, we are recording podcast number eight for Hoarding Stuff, or Hoarding Stuff, depending on which way you prefer to say it, which is um, myself and Dave Mm -hmm. uh, waffling on. And tonight we're joined uh, for Extra Waffle from Pip, who runs support groups with me and other things. So, and we're going to look at, or try to look at, vaguely look at, value so the value of stuff uh the value of space and if you can swap one for the other and people's everybody else's version of values versus your version of values so um let's start this topic off with you dave what do you think about the value of your stuff um and does space and organization have a value to you or what Space is a, is a strange one. I mean, it does have a value in that you can get around easier. Um, but sometimes I'm, I'm more inclined to not be too worried about space. Apart from when I'm knocking things down and I'm swearing a lot. Um, That's interesting. Well, to be honest, quite a lot of people have described this very similar um, scenario. When they have cleared some of their stuff and they have got space, mm-hmm. that space makes them feel... Uh, strange and a little bit uh, dizzy you know so one lady described how she was used to having stuff all around her bed yeah and when she cleared it she felt unsafe when she was lying in bed because she didn't have that sort of cozy wall that she was quite used to having so she said that felt strange to get used to and another lady who had she accepted a clear a managed clear we call it which is you know something that's somebody's in charge of and has given permission for but she'd she'd asked to not be there when the people who she knew she knew the people that were doing the clearance and she'd made a list and told them what she she had a lot of trust in them then she had a lot of trust in them but she had been working with them to get to this point and but she said I can't be here on the day so she gave her keys to the neighbor the neighbor let let the people in it was over a weekend she'd gone away to a in the days where you could go places, she'd gone away to a, um, not a conference, uh, oh, a thing that you have in fields, one of those, like Glastonbury, yeah. wasn't well, oh, a festival. festival, that's it, festival. she'd gone away to a festival, <laughs> and when she came home, because she had a, a small one bed sit really, not even a one bed, and so she had been living in a hallway for a long, long time, oh, wow. and um, she could get to her kitchen, but she, but very dip, with great difficulty. And part of the reason why she wanted a clear was so she could have a new kitchen fitted. But when she came home, she said, I didn't go past the hallway for the first day. Mm-hmm. I just stayed there because she'd still got a sleeping bag that she'd taken oh. to the festival with her. Wow. And she said funny. the next day, she, she said, this sounds so ridiculous, but she said, I had to do this. She said, I went round the corner on my knees because I didn't feel safe to walk round the corner into the sort of the the hallway opened up into her living room stroke bedroom because she hadn't been there for so long that she just felt dizzy and peculiar and as though she would fall over if she walked. So we know it's getting bad here when when it gets to the stage where it's like you're you're trying to make your way around the race course at the Grand National because you're having to go over hurdles and stuff. I'm often worried that Jane is going to, my housemate, is going to fall over and break a leg and then I'm going to have to shoot her or something to put her out of her misery because that's what you have to do if you 
in the Grand National, isn't it? That's, that's what I think so, yes. Yeah. If you have a hoarding, have a friend in a hoarded house, you do have to shoot them. Yeah. <laughs> Over the stuff. It, it, otherwise, people the only come problem in. with that though is that now there's more more um, things to kind of is hoarding people. Then, isn't it? it, it kind of like well, how yeah, other people move in, and then it's, it's just craziness. Craziness. It's just not not, not a good place to go. I guess. So, a lot of what this reminds me of is is um, some of the. Uh, you know the 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 loop behaviour that I see mm. with uh, people that have come out of institutions, mm. so, uh, and so uh, one of the the greatest misunderstandings is that, that homeless people, when you when you bring them into uh, a nice, warm, mm -hmm. cosy environment, that they're just going to relax and settle. They don't. A lot of them have to you know sleep on the street for a while. They yeah. cannot um, acclimatise to the heat of being indoors that, you know, it's, it's extraordinarily overwhelming for somebody to come off the street and go into that. Plus um, I've seen a lot of people live homeless in a house. It's quite, it's quite you know, so mm. they look to all intents and purposes. Like, I mean, the first clear I ever did was as a drug worker where I cleared a, a chap who we'd, we'd rehoused. He'd been rehoused before I got into the organization and we got into his kitchen and it was literally, um, to the level of the surfaces with um, pizza boxes and food boxes and stuff. And the simple thing was he he would have looked at to all intents and purposes like a hoarder, but he didn't understand, having lived his entire life homeless from a, from a teenager, what you did with rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Literally yeah. just, and he was yeah. quite happy for us to do it. He wasn't, he wasn't anxious to keep the stuff, but he, he you know, he um, we took, I think it was 26 bags, full bags, black bags out of that kitchen. Mm. So, you know, you didn't even know what day the, the bin men came. But you see, you know, this. the other thing that when we started talking about this, so I thought about is what does the absence of, of um, space give somebody? Mm. And if and, and frequently this comes up uh, quite a lot of times. When I ask somebody to give me one word to describe what their hoard means to them, mm. they'll say barricade. And quite recently, yeah. somebody has said to me that um, it, in, it, if they can keep people out of their house, they won't start relationships that will hurt them. Mm. So there is a purpose to it. So removing that leaves them very vulnerable to themselves and to the, and to the wider world. And, the, and so they exist very well in the world as a, as a, as a human outside, but inside as this anxiety and fear that they might get you know a relationship going with somebody that's going to be trouble again and it's so much easier to have a say you know to to even not say i can't get you home but to set a situation up where they would never allow themselves to be in that situation where they, they would think of taking somebody home. and yet on, on the other side of that there are a lot of people that that um i seem to have seen that say that, that that's the one thing that they they actually want is is People to come around and they feel ashamed of, of the situation they're in and they feel um, that there's some kind of there's something very wrong with them um, and that other people would feel the same if they came into their space. Um, so I suppose it's it's a kind of big old and, spectrum, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it is, and that's that's exactly what you know. Everything is personal and everybody's mm. different and. Certainly what Pip was just describing, yes, that's why these things need to take time 
and need to be done slowly layer by layer rather than one big whoosh clear. But then sometimes one big whoosh clear, like the guy you were describing, Pim, mm -hmm. he was happy for that to happen. Mm -hmm. He just, he hadn't got what I call bin management, which apparently mm -hmm. somebody's written about that in their book now. They said, I've called it Heather's bin management. Because <laughs> as absolutely right, sometimes there is very often when we do clears like that, that are, somebody goes, yes, please just come and clear it. I can't keep, you know, I don't know how it got like this. I, I'm not interested in it. But when we get to the bottom, one of the first things I look for is a bin. And um, that I know, because I know there's not going to be one. And then it's like, don't put the bin in the kitchen because that's too big a new task to learn. Mm. Put it by the sofa where somebody yeah. is sitting until somebody's got used to. If it's, if it's finished, if you've eaten the pizza, put it in the bin or the recycle bin and have that really close to you to start with. Because if your brain doesn't think in the go in, put it in the bin pattern or mm. giving people a, an idea of what goes in a bin, which sounds ridiculous. And mm. that's why there's so much sort of prejudgment. What do you, what do you, what do you say then? How do you, how do you define that for people? Well, it's, it's asking questions, really. It's first of all, where do you, where do you put things? Mm -hmm. So when you've eaten a pizza, what do you normally do with the box? And if somebody goes, well, just put it down, you know, then that's, there's no, it's not some, it, it's not somebody being lazy. No. It's somebody not having that pathway that you might automatically have yourself. So do you create yeah. new habits then? Yes, yes. Gentle, yeah. easy, simple ones. That's why the bin goes by the sofa. It's easy for a worker to assume that people know these things. I remember yeah. working at a lad that was in and out of prison and uh, it took him to buy food. And um, I bought him things like, you know, and I bought him some potatoes. And, uh, and I remember coming in, he goes, them potatoes are rubbish. It's absolutely oh, rubbish, no. those potatoes. So I said, I, I, I put them in the water and they just boiled away. So well, did you not prick them? And, and I thought, ah, I've got, to, I've got, to, I've got to explain to you what how, how this potato thing works. I know how it works, and I just assumed he'd, he'd have seen his mum do it. You know, this is something that's, and this assumption. And as you say, you don't just go. So you you're able to cook then because someone will just go. Yes, you have to be gentle and and, and compassionate to approach yeah. somebody's uh, vulnerability in this thing, and, and and also not to shame them. That's the thing, not to not to make somebody think their inability to to understand where things go is a shaming thing, hmm. because they'll just back off. <laughs> it's you know, there's there's no way if you shame if somebody feels ashamed, they're going to carry on explaining a, more and more of the things they can't do. It's a learned behaviour, isn't it? It's not a kind of like it's not within our DNA to kind of go, oh yeah, I, I know what I have to do with this, that, and the other, and the. So if you haven't had that that learning experience, as you say, from from having seen somebody else do it, then how are you going to know? But even sometimes, Dave, when when people see their parents do it, they don't. Mm. It doesn't automatically. It's a bit like well, this is why I call it organisational dyslexia, because mm. it's a bit like you might have grown up in a house full of books and and everybody in your family read. Mm. But if you have dyslexia and you struggle with learning to read right from the get go. Yeah. Now, it's not that you haven't seen it. It's just that that learning ability is slightly different in you until it's tested and found. And then somebody gives you further tools to mm. make that possible. 
but it's you've got to be sort of looking for it to see it if you see what I mean because otherwise you will fill in your own assumptions and this is what happens with and that's what's classified as judgmental and if somebody isn't curious so workers need to be curious but so does the person themselves and so that's what we we invite people to be curious about themselves so that curious is much more fun than going what you can't boil potatoes that's mad that's that's not helpful you'd want to know what, why exactly they can't wouldn't you you'd want to know what what led to the point where it has well, I don't I, I honestly don't know that you do I, I think you, one of the things that that I, I came to realize quite quickly is you can you can analyze someone's past till the cows come home uh, you know you may learn that somebody is uh, uh, you know only ever ate packet smash yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, I, yeah. a lot of kids that you know that i've worked have grown up where as soon as they could reach the food cupboards they were on their own from yeah, a very yeah. early age yeah. and so you, you can unpack that that's all well and good on the other hand here's how you boil a potato oh yeah no actually start fishing into somebody's past you're you've got your fingers all over their sauce spots Mm. So that's not a good, you know. Eventually, these things will come out, and you have to be. Yeah, yeah. I'm just nosy, though. I just, I just find it fascinating to see how other people have been sort of um, taught to live. You know yeah. how, how uh, I'm not talking about like interrogating and saying, "Oh, yeah. why is it you can't do this?" It's more about like in conversation. You know. Yeah, it's exactly how you would do it. But I also think I that. You know, what fascinates me is that, that, that so many people who are working in the field assume that people exist the way they exist. Yeah. That, that they've yeah. that they've had and that this is, you know, how can you not know how to boil a potato? Well, you know, it's like, well, <laughs> there's plenty of things that I don't know how to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't get, I don't have people coming around and pestering me, you know, why can't you pilot an airplane? <laughs> so, well. Why can't you crochet? I can't well, crochet. Oh, I have had yeah. that one. I have had. I, you crochet. I can't buy planes. You know, it's like, but uh, but I mean, going back to um, the space concept, is mm. the first standing point I have is uh, to commence working with somebody who's got an issue. Is something I learned very early on is why wouldn't somebody protect a vulnerable heart? If you've been hurt, you're going to protect that, and if it means having a hoard, if it means that you feel. I mean, somebody was saying to me they've got a, they've got a friend who's managed to um, work through a lot of their their rooms, but they've left one room because to them it's like a hug. Uh, <laughs> and this one room is where they go in and they feel you know, and that's that that is has a level of autism attached to it. I think we know there's that a certain level of autism people like a a hug, but not from another human being. Um, from you know, so that is that is a perfectly wonderful solution to a problem that somebody has they've really thought that one out i think that's that's elegant and to to go oh that's terrible you mustn't do that is is a is a is a you know it sounds like a safe space doesn't it yeah it does sound a very good safe space um and i I would say that person is well on the well in the recovery zone because they've managed to uh cope and deal with the clutter in most of the house and they've left one room it's kind of like I know I've got this thing, and I need to to access that part of me, mm. uh, and, I've, and I've and I've left a safe space for it. You know, so if a worker comes in and goes, well, that has to go. 
Especially if it's that, that's the guy we're going to snatch your kids. That's the one that really gets me up on my that's mind. Like, that's not good. You know, when somebody does, I think that so often people jump through every hoop imaginable and they're still under threat. Yeah, well, I, that's exactly what I did today. Today I visited a family that I've been working with for a long time and the social worker has um, made a final action plan. So this lady's filled seven skips. Wow. Her and her older daughters so that she uh, can get her younger children back, which they came back for Christmas, and that was great. But this action plan um, is quite detailed. And so it was things like, you know, the shelf in the bathroom still dirty. And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. I don't think that's quite so important. So not wanting to criticise the social worker too much because then she won't speak to me. I said, well, look, let's do a visit because I'm visiting now. And, and I asked the lady if she minded and she said, no, not at all. Come in. Yeah. And um, and I said, I need to see what the social worker is seeing. So that, and I'm in I'm the bridge in the middle, you know, and once um, the social worker's happy, then you can just work with me. But I need to see what she's seeing um, so that so that I can then work it with you, mum. And so that's exactly what we did today. And then this time, because I, I, I tried to explain gently to the social worker that doing spot checks, which is what she's doing now, brutal. actually carries a massive amount of distrust with it. And I but said, you know, I know why work? are you was doing it? it? But that, was what it, is was that it, saying? You know? Was it Larry Grayson? Sorry? Was it Larry Grayson? Why? The social worker, you know, look at the mucking in. Oh, absolutely. But Larry Grayson would have had a fit. He'd have had his hanky out. It's like, I tell you, it's like um, my, my stepdad was in the army and he used to go around to people's quarters and put the white gloves on and, you know, look for dust. It's like that. And, and these people aren't in the bloody military. No, They're living their lives, you know. No, um, it's, it's, it's very, it's very, but she's happy now because right. everybody's happy now. And she... And she said, actually, there is progress, isn't there? And I said, yes, it's brilliant. And I said, not, you know, not, not everybody. But I also said to her, the fire service would be very happy with this house now. And she went, really? And I said, the fire service don't look for dust and dirt. They no. just look for access and space. They look for things that are going to cause fires. or Exactly. Exactly. So dusty shelves aren't, aren't combustible. So that's yeah. great, you know. Yeah. But, well, I hope this social worker never has to work anybody who's a farmer yeah. or, 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 or work in a coal mine or, or anything. You know, it's this, again, it's this expecting people to, to live to, to your rules and, 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 and your, your heights that you live to. You know, you know if, if, you, if you are Mr. and Mrs. Sheen and you yeah. come busy <laughs> around to my house, you'll have a fit. That's you what know, I said. I, th I said, um, I hope she doesn't come around to mine because that'll be it. <laughs> you know? I mean, you know, I'm not, I mean, uh, my, <laughs> I mean, my, my, uh, my partner's dad used to say, I've, I've uh, see that cobweb, cobwebs up there. It's took me ages to get them up. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> that one up special. This guy, like, well, you know, we, we're alive for goodness sake. We, 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 you know, we're dealing with human beings who have human frowns to do things like human beings do. As soon as you're under the eye of Mordor, yeah, you know, you're, you're expected to be a saint. And um, what I think it's also, it's what you look for, isn't it? If you're looking, like Dave was just explaining that, you know, the military with the white glove, they're yeah. looking for something to complain about. So they'll find it. You'll always find what you look exactly. for. Yeah. 
It, 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 see, this is what, what annoys me about a lot of the work I've done in the past in organisations. What, what, what fundamentally what you're looking for is to, is to, is to make a new taxpayer. Uh, a lot of the work you do is, is based entirely around occupational, you know, um, and, and, and employment advice. And so, uh, and the end result is, you know, is that you've, you've taken somebody from a catastrophic life and now they're, a, you know, a fully formed taxpayer, of, you know, able mm -hmm. to get a job. And I think, well, what, what we really need is not somebody who's, who's, who's going to go into somebody's, you know, start employment for the first time and make a right hash of it and have to have a few. It's to make somebody who's creative to make somebody who's who can self sue and can and yep. can live in society without without you know having these catastrophes and know what to do when things happen and then maybe we'll ease them in and get them a job if they want one. Some yeah, somebody, somebody who feels confident. confident. Yeah, confident human being. It's it's. I think there's a lot of we've said this before. We we noticed that this this personality trait within things that the punisher. Yeah, that arrives and they they just, you know, they with the best will in the world, all I ever see is people they just want to punish, and that's the first thing you know. You, you they see the clients as you are bad, mm. and therefore, if you don't do this great long list of things that you've never done before and have no scope to do, we are going to bring this punishment down upon you. You're either going to lose your house, you're going to take your kids, dum -de -dum -de -dum. and then you've got somebody who's going to try and learn all this new stuff. In total panic. Brilliant move. <laughs> but also try and learn all this stuff without any help and instruction or guidelines yeah. or anything. They, they've got is, to learn is, something that is a foreign language. This is where the compassion is missing. And it's it's been yes. the, the way of things for, for a very long time. And it's it's kind of like, I mean, this is why social work always had a really, really kind of difficult place within our society because people see it as being this kind of outside force that's coming in to um, run their own agenda and not help you in the least. Uh, and that's not, that's not the case, you know. I mean, social work is really quite a recent innovation in terms of, you know, how we see it now. But um, I'd have to disagree with that appraisal of the I, in all my working with with social workers, mm. I've seen the obverse. I've seen the, the, the negative. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm lucky enough to go to social work masterclasses. Uh, yeah. I don't know how I may get into that, but I see a a beleaguered organisation that the mm. people who who generate the new skills, the, the people in the universities who are the lead on this stuff, are suggesting things to them that they're not allowed to do. <laughs> it's like, right. It's, but it's, well, so a lot of times it's not just yeah. that they're rubbish workers, it's that their hands are tied by bureaucracy. Uh, and, I, and I believe in the, in the past there was a lot of friend making with, with families and there was a lot of real support that you're yeah. not allowed to do anymore. No, um, uh, you have to keep it, distance, don't and you? There was a thing in the, in, the, in, the, in the Times recently where now if you, if you, people are terrified of presenting a child to hospital with a bruise, because mm -hmm. that brood will, will, will instigate the, 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 the descent of the social work demon. And people are having their children taken away for months on end on the strength yep. of a bruise because there's this concept that babies don't get bruised. That was actually stated by a social worker in, in I think is it might be Sunderland, somewhere like that, where children don't get bruises from interactions with their parents accidentally. Well, 
Well, they sometimes have interactions with bits of furniture. Yeah, um, I mean, they do themselves. What happens is, <laughs> over a period of time, um, things get kind of like more relaxed. And then you'll have occasions when it becomes more sort of, uh, I don't know what the word is, over the top. Absolutely over the top. There was a thing in Orkney where the, the kids were taken in Orkney. Uh, yes. Because of, because of Satanism. One of the things that they were taken because of was because they were talking about, I think it was talking turtles. Yeah. Which was the bloody mutant ninja turtles, for goodness yeah. sake. Because uh, the person that was in there had got no no grasp of that. No. no it, was, it was totally beyond their sphere of availability. I mean, there was other stuff in there, but all of it was like, hold on a minute, this is just nonsense absolute nonsense so they they get criticized for that for going over the top and then they relax it and it goes like a pendulum backwards and forwards backwards and forwards and you're never sure where you're going to be if well, you're just, a client they're terrified of of the baby pee events occurring again. yeah 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 events occur because to be perfectly honest the social workers we're, we're awful. Kids Kids have been presented to them with bruises that are smothered with chocolate or they've been told, you can't see him, he's upstairs asleep. Mm. And they are frightened of the parents. And this is a, this is a dilemma that I see frequently is that the, the person I'm, that's dealing with my client is way too young and inexperienced. Mm. They may have all of the education you need. They may have all the, you know, they may have their degree, but mm -hmm. they are straight out of university no concept of what it's like to be a parent and and my clients know that and they crawl the walls over this stuff mm. um and th they'll give mixed messages in front i've had somebody in front of a client say don't worry we are not going to take your child and they've gone oh good thank you very much yeah you're doing well and as we've gone out the door they've turned to me and gone if they don't put their ideas up we're taking the kids <laughs> so what can you say to them i know oh that's you I mean, so, I mean again, if we bring it to the, the business about um, hoarding and values, yeah, and, and, and values, it's it's this kind of like it's almost like there's um for some organisations, not all, not Heather, uh, certainly not Linda up here, uh, they have a tick tick box situation where they go, this is going to be what what solves it for you, and they don't have an idea of the value necessarily they don't have the same values about the things that you have value for they, they, um, I think I said some time ago that if I had two books and one was a lovely pristine hardback book and the other was um, a rather shabby looking book um, and you asked somebody which was which, which was the one with the most value then they would go for the the shiny 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 book I mean, Pip said something about a, a book at a bookshop. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. The, 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 I, a friend and I, we, we were collecting the early Jack Kerouacs, the beat stuff, and we were, we were deliberately trying to find the ones we've all sellotaped up that have been through the 60s, that have been through beatnik hands mm -hmm. and have been imbued with this. You know, we were imbuing it ourselves with this concept, but we've been imbued with the idea that some beatnik had been on a beach in St. Ives with his rolly... Donovan yeah. warbling on next to him and he's taking his book in his rucksack and now I've got it. 
And, yeah. I, and I've got them on my shelf now, and they are rare, rare, rare editions, but they're knackered. You know, there's, there's probably no resale value in them. Um, you know, but, you know, a pristine one might, might net you, you know, 50 quid on a little 1960s paperback. But what yeah. I've got wouldn't be 50p, but it means more to me. Brilliant. Yeah, but I was thinking more about the guy that ran the bookshop that had the oh, first the, edition. Oh, the um, the black books guy. Black books guy, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that was that was that was classic. That was um, a friend of mine who, who was with me at the time. Took a pile of books up to him and said, "And uh, uh, what kind of discount can I get off these?" And he went, "What do you mean, what kind of discount? Look at these books; they're pristine. Look at that. This book's perfect. I don't sell anything less than the value I've given it." And he went, all right, well, sorry I asked. <laughs> and I looked down on the floor and I saw a copy of Rudyard Kipling's Kim and I picked it up and it was a first edition with stuck-in pictures. You know, they, they, when they used to not print in the picture, they used to have a stuck on a page. I thought, oh, and I said, so, well, I'm, I don't ask. And I went, how much is this? And he took it off me and he was like looking through and I thought, here it comes, here it comes. And he went, pound? Pan <laughs> came out my pocket so fast, I nearly burnt. So um, I think it all goes down to like it depends on. I mean, I think we've talked about value quite a bit in in various different forms in the sport group and here, and whether it's monetary value that you're talking about or it's um, other kinds of yeah. um, emotional value for the emotional value is the big one that I I find people struggle with. Mm. I was reading a book in the back. Well, I say I was reading a book. I don't actually read through a whole book. I yeah. just like dip in. Yeah. And this one was about um, story. And what they'd realised was that if people anthropomorphise their cars, yeah, right, they are less likely to obviously get rid of their car. They're, they're more yeah. likely to have work done to this car. But it's probably deteriorating at a rapid rate, and that you probably should have scrapped like 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but because you've called it chitty chitty or whatever, yeah. you know, you, you, it's, it's just going to be there. And um, I don't know if I do that with books so much. Do you do that with records? Um, records have, have um, that a lot of my, my record collecting is to do with me being kind of uh, an awkward youth. Mm. And that was that was where I found you know not fitting in at school, mm -hmm. you know being, being the only kind of one of the, all the weird kids had left, and I was left behind. Had all gone years ahead of me, and I was a weird mm -hmm. kid in my year. And I liked music that nobody else listened to at the time, and and then, so it meant it meant more to me. It really, I identified with it. And I remember buying. I, I went to see Captain Beefheart, and. Uh, it, I'd never, I, I knew what he sounded like. He was on a, he was on a Frank Zappa record, and I thought, well, I, I'm going to go and see him. So I better buy a record, yeah. and, I, and I bought one. Uh, I got the first one I could lay my hands on for cheap enough that my pocket money would afford it. And uh, and then when I went to the gig, it was the very same week. He played lots of songs from that, and then I met him afterwards. It was a fast, you know. So that that record has got all that in it. It's got, right. you know. The, the fact that I, it, it, it made me feel like I'd got a place to 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 be odd with because it's Captain Beefheart's very peculiar performance. It's an acquired taste. It's a very acquired taste. And then on stage he performs that stuff. And then I just happened to be walking out, walking home, and he was the only person on the street, me and him, all to wow. myself. Oh, wow, that's really cool. Like, you know, and, uh, and and a fascinating event. So I've probably got records that are worth, uh, you know, twenty times more than that. 
But yeah. if it comes to yeah. a fire, I'd have to get that one. <laughs> right, right. So, so if this is the case then, uh-huh. and we're looking at, at solutions as well as issues, if you know mm. what I mean, how, how can we... Um, well, that was the equation we made, wasn't it? About, about how to determine the value of something, really, because what you've just described, that's got value. But if you gave yeah. me that record, Pip, it no would be nothing to me. And I probably really? don't even no. like Captain Beefheart. I don't I know his I, name. I've never heard his music. I, I, I don't think you would <laughs> like it. No, so it'd be straight in the charity <laughs> shop, straight away. So <laughs> how, how do we, you, you know, how, how can we help ourselves by not imbuing everything with value? How, how can you come up with something well, that, that yeah, balances that's something it? I'm working with people at the moment, and it's my big tack, is that, um, and I think I don't, did I bring this to the session the other night? Instead of working with people in order to, to get rid of objects that are useless mm-hmm. or, or uh, uh, have little use, I'm working to find the treasures. I'm working to find the best of the bunch. And on the way, by doing that, you're starting to identify this thing means more to me than this thing. And all I'm yeah. saying is when you've got that, so you keep the thing that means the most to you. That's We do not discuss that. That's that's a big keep. I don't care what it is. It's, it could be like, you know, a, a silly memento. It could be anything, something you found. That's mm. We leave that to one side. Then there's just a question. The question arises with the other thing. In comparison to the thing that brings you all a joy and identifies you or a moment that's worth keeping, what about this other thing? And it's just a it's just, you know, it's it's just a raise that question about it. So find your absolute a bit like doing that, go and find the things that you would take with you if your house was just about to start flooding and you knew you couldn't yeah. stop it, what are you going to grab and take with you? It's that sort of process if you can do it. Do you think you could do that, Dave? You're already looking no. worried, I can see. No, I'd probably I stay in the house. and stay and in that. Well, I t- did I tell you this? Um, somebody in Stoke-on-Trent uh, from Staffordshire Fire Service, Right. they've got a video which they won't share, um, and I understand why not, but it's also sort of a shame because it would be such a shocking thing to see of a lady mm-hmm. who ran out of her flat because it was on fire mm. in, a, in a block of flats. So she's on the CCTV camera in her hallway. She ran out of the flat and then stopped, panicked, couldn't leave her stuff. Went back in. Ran back in oh, and no. burnt to death. Right. No, 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 no. Exactly. So uh, it would be an amazing piece of footage. Uh, of, you know, of course you can't use it. But it is an incredible thing that. So if, if you sort of see that your needs to grab 10 best items wow, yeah. would stop yeah. that from happening to you, maybe that would make you help you to refine your choice. Do you know? I don't know. You know, I've often thought about the, the, fire, the fire scenario and thinking, say, say somebody came and stole everything I'd got. Mm. What would I? And, and I got my insurance money. Oh yeah, what would you? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'd, no. I'd start a fresh and go. I mean, at, at the moment, I've got you know in the lockdown. One of the things I'm doing is I'm grabbing because I've got a vast collection of music. So I'm grabbing ten LPs at a time, mm-hmm. and I'm rolling through them, and I'm discovering 
some of the ones I, I hadn't paid a lot of attention to are absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and I call it my spin cycle. So I put yeah, my LPs yeah. through the spin cycle. And then I've got this the, the thing I call winner stays on. <laughs> uh. So the ones that are great, I keep with the one side. But there are so many that I can go, I'll never play you again. And in fact, you're such a disappointment. I'll either I'll have a go at selling you, failing that charity shop. I can't because you're you're keeping me from looking after these 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 things that I treasure so much because I can't put them into into the into the shelves because I've got all this stuff in there. <laughs> I, I tried to think of it like um, I can't remember who it is now, but one of the Italian artists, probably Michelangelo, probably him, eh? Um, that um, said that he would have this lump of rock. And he was releasing the angel from within a lump of rock. Yeah. So if you're if you're doing that with your horde, you're sculpting away and you're chipping away at the bits that are not part of the angel, and then you're left with the the angel at the, hopefully at the end of it. That's well, a nice. Think- that's a really nice way of thinking about it. Though that's what I mean. I think if you can find. Um, analogies like that that make things positive and interesting and fun. I know you don't like the word fun, Dave, but... Uh, I love the word fun. I just don't allow myself any of it. No, so. I know, but I remember saying that to you years ago and you went, fun? What is this fun? <laughs> this, is, this is not part of our 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 human heritage. Fun? <laughs> work. Play. Work, damn it. Play. Work. I'll have to know. I'll Struggle that is, yeah. that is the significant difference between us and all the other creatures on earth. Yeah, is human yeah. beings play into an older uh, what we play to, to we've gone. We, we 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 are playful creatures. We're meant to be, aren't we? We're meant to be. Yeah. I, I I'm I'm sadly I I did I was naughty, and I got some um some I may have got some books, um and one of them is called the property species. Uh, which is about why we are the only species that gets, you know, property as such. Um, and and I thought it was interesting from the point of view of why people then hoard that stuff. Because, yeah. we, you know, if you're a hunter-gatherer, you, yeah. you don't really have that much because you're moving all the time. And well, well, I think that was that's the why we go on holiday. Yeah. When I realized the other day we got we we were we are intrinsically descended from nomads. Mm. The, 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 we, we were and we were a lot healthier when we were that. As soon as farming came along, we started to deteriorate. Our health went west. We got we got arthritis and ailments that that nomadic people and, and hunter gatherers don't have. And um, that's why we go on holiday. That's what we remember. We've got to go somewhere. That's why this anxiousness during lockdown is. Now people go, I've just got to have a holiday. I've just got to go somewhere. Yeah. You know, travel somewhere. You've got to travel. We've got to travel. I've always said I love traveling. Not always pleased when I get there, but I love the journey. <laughs> oh, I hate it. I hate the journey. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite of you, Pip. I'm the anti Pip. Oh, we <laughs> <laughs> want to meet. We <laughs> can. Oh no! I like I like both. I like the journey and the getting there. Oh, you would, wouldn't you? No, I'm just greedy. Why would I? Why would I miss out? Why would I miss out on anything? So yeah, during the lockdown, I have been feeling a bit itchy to go out and kind of uh, kill a wildebeest. I don't. I don't know what. Well, gather some nuts. Yeah, (laughs) do you know? 
right, I said hunter-gatherer, right, and it should be the other way around because most of the diet that was um, right. given was from the gathering, not the hunting. And why, David, is it the other way around? Yeah, why? What is that? What's that about? Who are the hunters and who are the gatherers? Because, uh, you know, very often it was quite difficult to put anything down. You had to have a it's group of people. Absolutely. You know, so the, the females are the gatherers. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they've discovered, this is fascinating, when you look at tribes that go hunter-gathering, yeah. the hunters are like, the women are kind of like, go and go and go and get, go and get, kill something. Go on, go away. <laughs> go and do anything. Get out of the way. Go away. They go and come back with a minuscule amount of food. Yeah. <laughs> because you, yeah. it's actually getting, hunting stuff is, is a, you burn more energy than you get. So what they discovered is, you would think they'd come back and go, right, I'm the man of the house, feed my family, whoosh, 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 everybody there's me, and some of them are neighbours are left over. That's not how it works. What they do is they feed all the neighbours first. They thought, why are they doing that? What's the story with feeding all the neighbours first? What it turned out is, is they're having the illicit relationships with other blokes' wives, and they come in and say they're feeding, you know, that's the little payment Hello. for what's coming after. Hello. And this is like, so when you were, all these ideas are, are held as like gospel truth are absolutely when you were, when you actually go and look at them they turn out to mostly be rubbish <laughs> Ooh. for those of you who are listening without visuals Dave, of you in black and white the big <laughs> amazon smile across oh, the dreadful. green dreadful dreadful and he has Ooh, no do you know what even even more surprising is it comes up on your computer screen and it says your Amazon order's just been delivered. It's like, no, I've got it in my hand. <laughs> you don't have to my tell me. I think my postman's going to have to have time off work for all the LPs I've had delivered during lockdown. <laughs> mm. You think but, then that, that, that it's got worse for people during lockdown? I mean, I I, I think it well, hasn't been. I've I don't think I've acquired any more than I ordinarily would. Right. Uh, one thing I made a decision to do is be very, very selective. Mm. Uh, in the past, I've, I've, I mean, I talked to people about my own experiences of, of acquiring stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've, I've acquired, I've got, a, I mean, I'm sitting here now in a room and I've got a vast amount of CDs. Because right. when I, uh, 20, 30 odd years ago, when I had a very miserable job, my payoff for having that miserable job to myself was to go and spend whatever I like with my credit card in, in HMV on the way home or a re another record shop with a friend yeah. that had a record. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would literally have a yard of, a yard of, I take them up to the counter and people go, cool, you like records, don't you? And I go, yeah. And I'd have a yard of CDs, literally like that, you know, not end to end like that. I'm like, you know, side by side. And, um, and I'd play, play them and, and that they go once round and I'd have to do it again. And I, and I, I came to realise that, you know, what, what I was really doing was placating my, my misery. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was setting myself up with a story that because my week had been so difficult and hard and I'm miserable and I hate my job, mm -hmm. I am entitled to cane my credit card to the point I can't pay it off. And when I resolved that, I, I, res I made the decision to have a list of things that I knew I really, really wanted and stick to it. So I, I was less susceptible to the impulse buy. Mm. And uh, I noticed, I, I, you know, I was falling back into that trap of, of come the weekend, nip into Oxfam books. 
I'd have a limit on my, my spend. So I thought that was really clever. I'd have a limit on a three pound book. If, if I owned a book and it was, it was three ninety nine or four pound, it just goes straight back on the shop. And I'd get my two ninety nine books out and I'd, and, I'd, and I'd buy them. And, I'd, and I thought, that's okay. It's only simple. They all, you know, it, it mounts up. And of course you can, I can afford a huge amount of two ninety nine books. Yeah. And so I'd, and I'd chance myself, it's only two ninety nine. I'll chance that. I, I might not like it, but the cover's nice. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that particular poem's interesting. First page, buy it. Same with records. Oh, that's somebody I'm, I'm, I wonder what they sound like. I've heard of them. Let's get it. But now, come the lockdown, I thought, well, what I'm actually doing is I'm, I'm buying, I'm buying like better, better, uh, more expensive uh, books and and records. I'm buying less of them, and I'm enjoying them a whole lot more. Surely, I know this 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 because this, this is one that, that that always crops up when people say you've got loads of books, and they probably say it with CDs and records yeah. as well. Um, you'll never ever manage to read all of the books you've got. No, yeah, well, no, I won't. But I kind of swim in like a sea of information. Yes, and it's. So on occasions you'll pick something up, and Jane calls it the library fairies. Or no, sorry, it doesn't. Not fairies, library angels. Yeah. And every now and again, I'll just reach out and go, "Oh, what's that book there? I haven't seen that for ages." Oh, open it up. Oh my goodness me! What a great idea! Yeah, that <laughs> library thing is is. I saw it on a on a Facebook meme the other day. Said so I'm I'm dreading the moment I've read all my books. And I just become the librarian. Oh, <laughs> I don't, that's, that's was, never going to happen, is it? It's, it's never not gonna here. Happen. It's never going to happen here. I'll be dead before it happens I have here. To, uh, relinquish, you know, my ownership of a lot of books that I've got because I've actually decided I don't like them. Mm. I've, I've got because I had this idea that I had to have a, a vast collection of poetry books because I had to be able to demonstrate to myself that I had a range. And in that range were things that I didn't like them, but yeah. they are in the, you know, they're in the poetry oeuvre. You know, it's like, but I didn't realise, well, I don't like them. Wow. <laughs> come, on, come on, Pip, you don't like this book. You think this poet is rubbish. Yeah. Bin it. You know, bin it. But, but is, that, is that kind of like, so you're having to prove you've got a range to other people? Really? Because I think that's one of my because I was dyslexic at school and I grew, grew oh. up feeling a bit a bit thick and then discovered I wasn't. You know, I'm yeah. kind of and I, I spent quite a bit of time proving it to myself. Um, and now I'm comfortable that I've I'm you know that was a success. So I don't need the evidence of that because I own it inside me. I know that I'm okay. You know, I reached that that point where I, I don't have to look on the shelf and go. Yeah, there's that there's that book on psychology, but you know that I read and dismissed. <laughs> like, how, you know. do you, how do you feel about concepts that, that is now coming through more and more of not having the artifact, yeah, but having access to the thing, so you don't own the thing. Um, I mean, I uh, Captain Beefheart, right? Yeah. The first time I heard Captain Beefheart, I'm I, I was kind of quite a naive twenty-one year old. And went round to. Uh, I was in a little circus group, yeah. and all of the people were quite bohemian. And I went round, twenty-one years old, and this guy's. I'm sort of going, why is he melting chocolate on his cigarette? <laughs> That's how naive I am. 
right? <laughs> so he puts Captain Beefheart on, <laughs> and uh, I just really what what is what is it's 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 yeah. noise. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's sound. I get it. Yeah. So it was interesting because that's got to be about when I was um, eighteen, maybe. So yeah. 30 odd years ago. So more recently I went, I'll, I'll have a go at accessing Captain Beefheart and I was thinking probably went onto YouTube or something like that. And I, I'm sure that my 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 tastes have, have evolved and matured and they like they hadn't because it was still <laughs> noise and sound and except now I know that he wasn't actually melting chocolate on his no, no. But one of the days when we get another time, I'll explain to you why the Captain Beefheart music sounds the way it does, but it's a very peculiar thing. But, but Well, I, somebody said that to me about ecstasy. They said, oh, music sounds amazing when you're on, on ease. And I said, <laughs> well, why, why just, just don't take the ease and find some music you like without them? Yeah. yeah. But we're yeah. going to finish in a minute because we've right, okay. been waffling on for an hour. But what I was going to say was, so yeah. everything that you've all both been describing quite yeah. well and in depth, but really is that that's your story for why you it's a narrative. have that. But, yeah. but if you take that story layer off, what, what are you really satisfying? And what you're trying to satisfy is probably, certainly from a tender age, is... Mm -hmm not feeling you have an identity and so objects give you an identity music gives you an about, identity it's about lots of I'm, knowledge. I'm okay yeah, yeah. I'm all right i'm safe um yeah. that idea that i had for ages that it's, it's probably an overblown thing that somebody sometime in in the future will come up to me in the street and they'll ask me a question and if i don't answer them they'll stab me <laughs> <laughs> or, I'll, or I'll go, I'll die, and there is an afterlife, and uh, I'll get to the pearly gates. This is from Peter, it's from Peter, isn't it? Of course, it it's is. Him. And they will say, So, and they'll give me questions there, and they'll go, Well, you should know this stuff. You had, in, you had the books in your house, <laughs> but you didn't read them, means you are now going to hell. I'm, I'm sorry, you had the time, you had the books. What were you fanning around at? Some big boys came along and they read them. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fault. Stole me books. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna close well, on this do, one. Before you do, I did yeah. say last week that I was gonna uh, allow myself ten pounds a month. Right. Uh, How's but that I, gone? I realised how miserable that would be because it meant that I'd be spending more money on on obviously on food and bills than. And it's just like, mm. and I, what I have been doing though is doing a lot of surveys that pay you thirty or fifty pence. So I'm allowing myself that money, along with the ten pounds, um, and sort of trying to jiggery poke and read my way around. So you've got you've got to eleven pounds twenty three now, have you? Before we finish on one of the the the, the, the thing that that I'm 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 saying I, that's changed me is I'm savouring. Yeah, the thing that that I've I've acquired more than just mm. it's not just in my hands. Yippee, I've got that on the pile. I'm actually getting things that I really savour. Mm. When I first bought records when I was a kid, I used to get on the bus coming home from from town, and you'd get the record out and you'd read absolutely every bit of writing on it, including the printer's name. Oh yeah, 
you'd you'd get the lyrics in there, wouldn't you? As well. Yeah, and the lyrics would be in there, and you'd look at the picture, trying to you're trying to figure out what this record was going to sound like, and you'd really savour it. And then mm. because you know you end up you, you grow up, you get quite a bit of money, you can buy what you like, you don't savour it. And mm. then you so when you're not savouring, you you have a tendency to buy things that are just um, you're just acquiring for not for just for the sense of that that little bit of flick of dopamine that you get when you're buying something, the anticipation of having it. Chemistry is running. You get that. And that's why you feel that instant drop afterwards because the dopamine switches off. It's just a simple chemistry process. I'm keeping my dopamine going longer by buying things that matter more. And I've changed my story. I'm not buying things because I'm a, I've got a miserable life. I'm not filling a hole in a miserable life. I'm, I'm putting joy into a life with this by this thing that I've already got joy because I'm no longer buying misery well on that note yes shows because Buy less I, think misery. I was going to say that i read about arriving at the pearly gates um the, the you were only asked two questions and the first one was did you give joy and the second one was did you get joy and i think we'll leave it on I, that i've never met joy <laughs> And if I had met her, I probably wouldn't get her. I probably wouldn't understand her at all. But would you give her? Joy is well worth meeting. Fair enough, then. I'll try my best to uh, arrange an assignation with Joy. Good idea. That's quite a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, put it in your diary. Yeah. You can get it through Amazon. Have an appointment. Right. Have an appointment with Joy. <laughs> Find yeah. something that's going to make you joyous and put it down. I think actually Julia Cameron does this in her artist way. She says, go out and do something that's going to inspire. Well, you can't do it now in the lockdown. When we're back to normal. You can. You can. Credit card of the mind. Yeah. Remember the anyway, the I'm, going, right. I'm going to stop recording, guys. But on the joyous note. Yeah. We've got to do the credit card of the mind next time. There, 